You are listening to the teaching ministry of Valor Christian Center's Pastors Scott and Tina Witwan. Well, this is a great day. You know how I know? Because God made it. Anything God makes is great. We, this is Healing Service Sunday, and I want to talk about our healing covenant this morning. So go with me to Jeremiah chapter 11. We're going to start in verse 6. Jeremiah chapter 11, verse 6, and we'll jump off from here. And it says, Then the Lord said to me, Proclaim all these words in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem, saying, Hear the words of this covenant and do them. Father, we thank you that we are doers of the word, not hearers only. We thank you, Father, that that you've sent us the Holy Spirit to lead us in our doing, to guide us in our saying, and to be with us in our activating your word. Father, it is our desire, it is my desire to be a workman of the word. Father, because the word works. And we thank you in advance and give you all the glory and honor for today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. You know, we've been talking uh, evil day, and we're not going to do that today. But I, we were talking about being a covet less people. How much more, as the generations progress, we understand less about covenant And God is a covenant God. And so to understand the way that the kingdom operates, we really have to understand how covenants work. God has a healing covenant. Healing. It is the process of making well again and to restore. Now, when I say healing... Most people think immediately about the physical. I cut my finger, I need it to be healed. I stub my toe, I need it to be healed. But healing operates in three areas of our lives. First, healing operates spiritually. Because you are a spirit. God intends to make well again and restore the human spirit. So healing has to operate in us spiritually, according to the kingdom of God. Amen? And we've talked about that for for many, many weeks here a year or so ago. Healing also happens physically. And that's what most of us relate when somebody says, We're going to have a healing service, or do you need healing in your body, or do you need this? And that deals with us physically. Soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions, and your physical body. Now, somebody has has tried to, I've heard people try to separate the soul from the body, but let me ask you something. Did you bring your mind with you to church this morning? Now, I know sometimes when you have conversations with people, you wonder if they did. Amen? But your mind is part of your physical makeup. It's your mind, your will, your emotions, and your physical body. God has intended or created a plan for or a covenant for healing, making well again, and restoring the physical. 
He is also healing financially, provisionally. So this area of your life is important because without provision, the human condition starves. It dies. It can't pay its bills. It doesn't have its sufficiency. So even, even you know, if we go back 6,000 years, God provided financially in the growing of crops, in the providing of water. That is all part of the provision that we need. Amen? Amen. Now, living life diminishes the human condition. I mean, think about, think about this a little bit. In, in the life of the unsaved, their condition is diminished by lack of God awareness. Now, they, they may generally be aware that God may exist, but there's no relation with Him. There's no empowerment by Him. But they experience, whether they know it or not, they experience the love that emanates from Him. I mean, our whole system of laws and government were established in a pattern after Him. So it, it's easy in America for somebody to say, hey, I'm going to be an atheist or atheist or agnostic or whatever, and yet still benefit from the healing covenant of God, the covenant that's been put in for our provision, spiritually, physically, and financially. And generally, because there is no or there is a lack of awareness of God, the unsaved person doesn't understand it. They just think this is the way life is. And it's because I'm a good person. But if you go back and look at history, there are some societies where being a good person was being the strongest person and being able to kill those who could rival you for positions in land and food and, and you know, relationships. But that's not godly. So the human condition in our society is benefiting even if there's a lack of awareness. We also benefit from exercise and education. That's the, the physical areas of life. I mean, when you were a little baby, if it wasn't for, for exercise, you wouldn't have gotten strong enough to walk. And if your parents hadn't taught you the difference between right and wrong, I mean, most parents teach their kids, don't jump in the fire, right? That's a wrong decision. Stay out of the fire. It's hot. So, you know, and if they don't, if the parents don't teach them and the kids jump in the fire, generally they only do it once. Amen? Generally. Now, there were some times in my life where I didn't learn from fire very well. And I did learn the old... Adage that says you learn nothing new from the second kick from a horse. Amen. Which has literally happened. Amen. <laughs> Anybody experienced that one? Praise the Lord. Um, and life is continuing to try to diminish the human condition in the area of our financial endeavors. Right? I mean, every month we have expenses. If you, if you don't stay, haven't planned for your future as a retiree, or as a young person, you haven't gotten enough education or experience to be able to earn financially, you learn to be skinny. I remember when I, in 1984, when, when I moved down here to go to, to school, we, I made the trek, trek from Washington State down here, and... Um, 
you know, when you're living on top ramen, you know, I mean, that's all you could, all I could afford. I was going to school full-time, working part-time, had to pay the rent, keep the lights on. You don't need heat here, but you sure need air conditioning in July and August, amen? And so food became very low on the priority list, but the fact is the human condition requires a continual uh, provisional aspect, which is work and investment. But life is continually trying to diminish that. You know, SRP is trying to take money from me. The bank's trying to take money from you. The IRS is trying to take money from you. Amen? And um, so there's, this world is always trying to diminish. But when you have a relationship with God, salvation through Jesus Christ, when you come into that relationship uh, with God, life is still working to diminish you, but now you have something that the world does not have. And go with me to 2 Corinthians 4.16. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says, Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though the outward man is perishing. I mean, from, from, from the time you are born, in this world, you have a finite amount of days. The outward man is perishing. Yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. And that's the life of the spirit. So we have, even though life is trying to diminish us, and it may be able to do so physically and financially in this world, we can continue to increase spiritually in the face of life's trials. Amen? So, we have a healing covenant. A covenant, as a believer, a covenant of healing is in the process of making us well and restoring in the three areas of our life. Spiritually, which we can see by 2 Corinthians 4.16, spiritually, that no matter what the effects are on the other two areas, spiritually, we can be renewed and we can grow day by day. But physically, the effects of gravity, the effects of sports, the effects of automobile accidents, the effects of stupidity, diminishes us physically from a world standpoint, amen? But we have a healing covenant. We have a covenant with God of healing and restoration, which means in our relationship with Him, we should have the expectation, not just the belief that it could happen, but we should have the expectation that we live in physical health, in our bodies and in our minds. That should be our expectation. And then, to help with that, we educate ourselves spiritually so we understand the principles, the law, the principles, the commandments of God in the areas of health. And also in the areas of finances. Because God is in the process of healing or restoring or making well our financial lives. 
Now, unfortunately, there have been, I would say, decades, generations, and even centuries of teaching from the church that the Christians should not expect to have finances, but that they should just be happy with the, the lot that they've been cast into. And a lot of this comes from uh, what we historically know as the Dark Ages, and, and from Dark Ages because the church was dark. You know, they were not teaching the Word. In fact, as they were trying to restrict you from the Word. But God intended for us to be well, to have healing in all three of these areas. Not only spiritual in our relationship, which the church has always deemed acceptable, but also in our physical bodies and in our financial estates, in our financial being. So let's talk about covenant, the covenant's beginning. Okay, so we're going to talk about some of these, and again, we've touched on them in previous weeks, but let's go look back at, at, at Adam. They call it the Adamic Covenant, but let's go back and look at Adam. Go with me to Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. In Genesis 1, 28, it says, Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. This word multiply in the Hebrew is also translated increase be fruitful and increase fill the earth and subdue it have dominion over and then it goes on to talk about all the things we're to have dominion over this verse is the covenant that God made with mankind that we should in this covenant not need healing, but in this covenant that we should live above with dominion, able to subdue everything we come into, and our nature would be fruitfulness, multiplication, and increase. Why? Because God blessed it. So that God blessed them what? He blessed them spiritually he blessed them physically, right? Body and soul. Adam and Eve had no body or soul issues. They had no spiritual issues. The Bible says that they walked with God. I mean, you got no spiritual issues when you're walking with God. Amen? And financially. And by reading this, we know that that includes everything that we own. Now, let me just let you know what I'm talking about here. How many of us have ever had a pet and considered a family member? Right? We consider it a family member. However, it's not a family member. No, because you have been given dominion over it. Therefore, it is in your charge or in your care. Now, like us, we've adopted them into our family, though they're not family members. No matter how much you like horses, you cannot reproduce a horse from your family. Amen? Only horses reproduce horses. Everything reproduces after its own kind. However, because you have dominion over it, you have responsibility for it. I mean, I don't remember one time when one of my sheep knocked on my door and said, Hey, take me to the vet and get me my inoculation." Never happened one time. 
In all the years that I raised sheep, never happened one time. No. I had dominion over them, and it was my responsibility to make sure that they had the provision that they needed. Therefore, my covenant under Adam gave me a right to declare them to be blessed, to be fruitful, and to multiply. Amen? And that gives you the same right to pray for your cats, your dogs, your horses. And, you know, you don't know what you're going to find in heaven. I mean, we know that there's horses, so we know that there's animals. Amen? I mean, you may see your first dodo bird. And dinosaur. Along with the dogs, the cats. Because remember, in the garden, there was harmony. And there's harmony in heaven. And so, it, because you have dominion over them, you have a right to declare and demand that they live a long life. Amen? Amen. It's part of the covenant. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the Mosaic covenant. We're going to skip over uh, the, the covenant God made with Noah and the covenant God made with Abraham because we've talked about those uh, in the last couple weeks, and we'll probably talk a little bit more about them uh, next week. But let's talk a little bit about Moses and his covenant. Go with me to Exodus 23, 25. In Exodus 23, 25, it says, So you shall serve the Lord your God. Now, you want to know what's really interesting about God's covenant? It has very few rules. It has very few rules. God told Abraham, right, I'm going to make a covenant between me and you. It's going to be based upon, God said it's going to be based upon what he did. It's going to be based upon me. And Abraham, you know, served me. And then it said that Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. Very few rules. Abraham had to believe God. And God is saying that, hey, I made a covenant with you and all you've got to do is serve me. To receive Abraham's covenant, just serve the Lord your God. And he will bless your bread and your water. This is, the this is yours. See, your food when you go, go to dinner or lunch is not blessed because you pray for it. Your food and water are blessed because God blessed them as part of the covenant. And we thank him at our meals, that our meals are blessed. I mean, you can, you can pray in the Holy Ghost for an hour over your meal. You're not going to be the one that gets your meal blessed. God already did it. It's part of the covenant. So therefore, if you eat your meal without praying, it's not a sin. I've had people say, oh, I can't believe we, we had, and, we, and we didn't pray. We didn't pray. Well, my food, I don't know about your food and water. My food and water is blessed. Whether you did the cross or anything else over it, our food and water are blessed. Amen? And I will take sickness away from the midst of you. I will take sickness away from you spiritually. 
I will take sickness away from you physically, so that's body and soul, and I will take sickness away from you financially. So what, what, is, what is financial sickness? Financial sickness is being broke and not able to pay your bills. That's financial sickness. Right? And that's where the church wanted you to live for many decades and even centuries. Because they know if they could keep you broke, they can control you. And it's the same exact thing that governments do. Now, I know that I'm kind of going back into last week's lesson and next week's lesson, but, but literally, if, they, if governments can keep you financially sick, they can control you. Because they'll promise to make you financially well. The only thing is, is you've got to give up some of your freedom. You've got to give up some of your rights. You've got to agree that, that, that you'll accept in the church gay marriage. And I won't talk against the transgender uh, uh, problems. Right? But, but, but the government will give me, give me money. They'll, they'll waive my taxes. They'll, they'll, they'll give me a check. You know, they'll send me a check in the mail. Stimulus check. That's how governments control. And it happens so slowly. It happens like the, the, the analogy of the frog in the pan. You, know, you put the frog in water in a pan, and you just slowly turn the temperature up. And that's what happens to whole countries when they allow the government to try to treat their financial sickness. Because the government doesn't have the tools. Only God does. But we have his promise that he'll take my sickness away from me financially. He'll take my sickness away from me physically and mentally. It's not something that I have to chase. It's a promise. It's a promise of the covenant. Now, we're talking about the old covenant. We're not even talking about the new covenant yet. We're just talking about the covenant under Moses. All we have to do is serve the Lord your God. And God said, this is all yours. I've already provided it for you. Amen? So one of the things that I do is I have a declaratory statement. I read this verse. And I say, therefore, since I serve the Lord God, I am blessed. What I eat and drink is blessed. I have health as sickness has been removed from my life, spiritually, physically, financially. Why? Because I need to renew my mind. And every time I get challenged in this area, you read the scripture and you say, no, this is what I believe about that because this is what God said about that. Amen? And then after the Mosaic Covenant, we get a covenant of Reformation. Now, people are familiar with the Reformation movement, um, you know, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about a covenant of Reformation. See, Reformation means to improve by alteration, correction, or removal of defects. Put it into a better form or condition. And the first covenant had some defects because it was a covenant that was intended to deal with sin, not to eradicate the sin problem. It was just 
to get man back in relationship with God, to, to, to understand their, their relationship with God. Amen? So go with me to Romans 5.17. Romans 5.17, it says, For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one. Now who was that? That was through the first man, Adam, right? Much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. So see, now there is a reformed covenant. The old covenant didn't disappear. It was reformed by a second or new covenant. It was a reforming of the law of sin and death. And it wasn't... See, the law of sin and death was based upon what you did or what you would do. Under the Mosaic Covenant, your relationship was all about how you interacted with the covenant of God. How you performed, how and what you sacrificed, etc., but we have come into a reformed covenant, one of grace, based upon what Jesus did. Now, let me touch on this real quickly, because the word grace, you know, we, we use it a lot now. You know, it's, it's, it's almost Christianese, grace. But the word grace in its roots means the unmerited favor of God. Grace is not... A word that means get out of jail free, do whatever you want, and it'll be okay. And it is described like that many times when talking about grace. But that is not what grace is. Grace is the unmerited favor of God. So we have entered into this covenant of grace where God's favor is bestowed upon us because of what Jesus did. Doing away with the curse of the law of sin and death. Now, I want you to catch this. Because, let's go over to Matthew 5.17. Okay, we just read Romans 5.17. Let's go to Matthew 5.17. This is what Jesus said. Do not think that I came to destroy the law and the prophets. Now, I have heard in the last decade, many people talk about no, the law is done away with. We no longer uh, are, are under the law. The law is gone. Uh, we're, just under this, we're just under grace. We're just under what Jesus did, and we're just under grace. Well, it's interesting, because Jesus didn't find anything wrong with the law. In fact, as he said, don't think that I came to destroy the law and the prophets. I didn't come to destroy them. I came to fulfill them. I came to make them a reality in your life. He came to make them a re- the, 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 the law and the prophets a reality in my life. But what he did in the process is he destroyed the requirement that is called sin and death. So the law of the first covenant has not been done away with. Just that requirement that we call sin and death. That's what put people in servitude. That's what required blood sacrifice. 
That's what required strict adherence to the Ten Commandments. And that's what required either blood or a life for violation. Now go with me to Romans chapter 3, verses 27 and 28 is. Where is the boasting then? Is it excluded? And if boasting is excluded, by what law? Of works. Now see, the law of works is the law of sin and death. That is where your righteousness is based upon what you do. What you accomplish. Did I bring the right bird? Did I bring the right goat? Did I bring the right sheep? Did I bring the right bull? Did I pay the exact right amount of tithes? I don't want to be cursed with a curse. See, that's the law of sin and death. But then Paul goes on to say, no, by the law of faith. So there's a, there's a law of faith? Yeah, and it's a new covenant law. So see, the law can't be done away with. Jesus said it wouldn't be done away with. But what has been done away with is the requirement of sin and death. Verse 28, therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. So you're not justified by how many sheep you sacrifice. No, you're now justified by your faith in Jesus Christ. And now, by our faith in Jesus Christ, we receive all of the benefits of the covenant under Moses. We receive healing, restoration, health in, our, in areas of spiritual, physical, and financial areas of our life. All the areas of our life, we receive those. They are ours. And yet we still, as New Testament Christians, many times are trying to please God enough to get one of them. And yet you can't do anything good enough to qualify. It's in Him. All right? So now, now we have a little bit of a, 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 a problem because now there's this grace message that says, hey, as long as I believe in Jesus, I can go home and be a lazy oaf I can sin, I can do whatever I want, and I'm still entitled to everything. No. Jesus said, if you love me, what? Keep my commandments. Because, see, if you love him, what are you going to want to do? I'm not forcing you to do it. I'm not forcing you to bring a tithe or an offering. I'm not forcing you to pray for the sick. I'm not forcing you to tell your neighbors about Jesus. I'm not forcing you to teach Sunday school. You should be so in love with Jesus that all those things just are a delight to you. Because now we're under a law of favoritism. Jesus favored me. He gave me everything that was under the law of sin and death, and he did it through grace and it doesn't matter when, if I mess up in the process of what I'm doing. The Bible says he's faithful and just to forgive me of all my unrighteousness, to restore me, to restore my soul. 
Now go with me to Romans 8, 2. And let's see that there's not just a law of faith. So see, in the, in, the, in, the, in the Old Testament, there was a law of sin and death. But in the New Testament, there's, there's grace, there's a law of faith. And now here in Romans 2, uh, where Paul is talking immensely about grace, he says, for the law of the Spirit. So now there's a law of the Spirit. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant about this. And we've talked about that. He wants us to understand how this kingdom dynamic works. This spirit or this kingdom dynamic, there is a law related to it. And it's the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And because of it, it made us free from the law of sin and death. Therefore, therefore, it's not what you do that provides for our healing spiritually, physically, financially. It is provided for. It's how we live and walk it out. Somebody says, well, what do you mean? Now you're talking about getting into works. No, I'm talking about the wages of sin is death. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Now, I'm going to tell you right now that, that under grace, you can get a gallon of bleach and you come up here and say, I'm a faith person. I'm going to drink this gallon of bleach. And because I'm under grace, it will not hurt me. Because Jesus said, if I drink anything deadly, it will not hurt me. I'm going to tell you, folks, you are going to reap what you sow. Grace did not blow away your inability to do stupid things. We call it sin, right? See, under grace, your relationships should manifest live long. They, sh they should not uh, falter. They should not, we should not, in other words, we should not be seeing the levels of divorce in the church that we're seeing equal to those in the world. But if you go out and say, hey, I'm under grace. I'm going to sleep with him. I'm going to sleep with her. It is still sin. You have taken yourself from a covenant of grace and walked into the flesh and allowed yourself to be under the law of sin and death. Jesus had nothing to do with it. He said, you didn't have to do anything. Just love me. Keep my words. But if you come over here, whatever a man sows, he will also reap. And we're seeing that happen in the church. Yes, grace abounds. In fact, as Paul said, hey, since grace abounds so much more, and, and we see grace be so strong when sin enters in, but grace comes and God restores, well, maybe I should just sin more that grace would abound much more. Then what did Paul say? He said, certainly not. What are you, stupid? I mean, that's the English translation. What are you, stupid? No. He's saying that, that when you understand grace, when, when, when you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and when you enter into this life of the Spirit with Jesus Christ, you don't want to sin. The Apostle John said the same thing. He says, you know, your relationship with Jesus should make it so you do not want to sin. But don't be naive. We all sin. But that's okay. When we fall short of the mark, we have an advocate to restore us back to grace so that our healing, 
spiritually, physically, financially is not based upon us, but based upon Him. It's the relationship. And Paul says in Romans 7, 12, he says, therefore, the law is holy. Yes, because I have all the benefits from it. I have all the covenant promises of the law. The law is holy. And the commandment is holy, and it's just, and it's good. Because it is designed to provide for you and me everything we need in all areas of our life. That's what it's designed for. And because the commandment, the law of the new covenant. See, these are simply, when we use the word law and commandment, we're simply talking about the principles of God. You know, we have, a, we have principles in our society, right? We don't shoot people, right? We don't steal from people. They're principles in our society. God's word has principles. We call them the commandments. We call them the law. And this is through which God operates. Jesus said, if you love me, keep them. Keep my commandments. Just, just do what I said, and you're, you're going to be amazed at how good life is, how good our relationship is. When you face trials and tribulations, you can face them with joy. You can just count it all joy, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, and let patience have its perfect work, that you be complete, lacking nothing. That's grace in operation. So we have a healing covenant under grace based upon Jesus. It's unearned by us. That's what's so exciting. I didn't have to earn it. It's a good thing, because sometimes I'm not very good at earning things. You know? I mean, I, I, I've had some low marks in school. I'm looking out here, and I can see that you were all geniuses, and you guys were all honor students, but I had some low marks in school. You know? So I don't like the tests, but I pass them now, not because of me. I let Jesus answer them. Amen? There's no better way to take a test than to have Jesus give the answers. And so if we understand how this covenant of healing works, we can understand better Deuteronomy 8.18. Deuteronomy 8.18 says, And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the power to get wealth. And then he goes on and tells you why. That he may establish his covenant, which he swore to his fathers as it is this day. God says, hey, it is me who gives you the power to get wealth, and I'm doing it. So everything that I promised you in the covenant would be yours. That's pretty awesome. And then in the New Testament, in 3 John chapter 2, 3 John verse 2. <laughs> Eric's back there laughing because he came in and asked me, is there a chapter 2 in 3 John? Uh, pray for Eric, folks. <laughs> Third John, verse 2. Beloved, I desire above all things. I mean, here's the apostle. He's saying that, hey, I desire above all things that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. He's saying, hey, Jesus paid the price. It's my desire that you experience this in your spirit in your physical and in your financial realms of life. And likewise, we can understand better Isaiah 53, verse 5. 
But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of his peace was upon us. And by his stripes, you were healed. See, that was the promise in the old covenant. That when Jesus would come. And then it leads us into 1 Peter 2.24. He who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree. That we having died to sin might live to righteousness. By whose stripes we were healed. Spiritually, physically, financially. And so this morning... We're going to do something just a little bit different. I'm going to invite you to the altar for prayer. But I'm not going to lay hands on you this morning. I don't feel led to do that. Remember, laying on the hands is one way, but not the only way God heals. But I want to invite you to come. If, you, if you're having any issues mentally, you've gone through any, any stress uh, in family, in relationships, in loss, I want you to come. If you're dealing with anything physically in your body, so whether it's physical in your body or mental, I want you to come this morning. If you're dealing with anything spiritually, you just, you don't know what it is, but you're dealing with something that, that, that doesn't sit right in your relationship with God. Maybe you've condemned yourself because it's like I was praying every day for 10 minutes a day or 15 minutes a day and I've missed four or five days and I just feel separate from God I'm going to invite you to come and if you're struggling financially I want you to come because we're going to get into agreement the prayer of agreement you know James says the prayer of faith will save the sick it'll save them spiritually physically, financially and the prayer of agreement, we know as believers, we, we, we've done the calculations. One will set a thousand to flight, two, ten thousand to flight. Well, we got a lot more than two here this morning. And we can join our faith for whatever it is that you need. So I want to invite you just to come and stand here in the altar this morning so we can agree in prayer. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You have been listening to a recording from the teaching ministry of Valor Christian Center with senior pastors Scott and Tina Whitwab. If you have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I invite you to pray this simple prayer with me now. Jesus, according to Romans 10.9, your word says, If I confess you as Lord and Savior and believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead, that you would come into my heart and I would be saved. I now confess and believe that you are my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with me, please contact our office so that we may rejoice together with you. Call Valor Christian Center at 480-545-4321. That's 480-545-4321. Or by email at info at valorcc.com. That's info at valorcc.com. Or by mail to the church address at 3015 East Warner Road, Gilbert, Arizona, 85296.